and welcome to edition 131 of On The Ball, the Norwich City podcast that followed the team's lead and couldn't be bothered over Easter either. I'm Michael Bailey, I cover the Canaries for The Athletic and I hope this finds you safe and well on the way. Borough bashing. From Oz to Ramsey Bleat. Well, that's good. Women leading the way. Woman, woman, more than one woman leading the way. And who wouldn't want a double match week anyway? We'll work through all that and more with our guests this fine week, who are Norwich number one chief at NCFC numbers, also known as our very own superb stand-in host, Steve Sanders. I've not unmuted him, and I will do that now. He needs to unmute himself, because I got this. Steve Sanders! Good evening, Michael. The mute button is not my friend at the moment, is it? Damn you, mute button. It's okay. We overcome it in the end. No one noticed. It's fine. And also joining us this evening, City fan and Canaries Trust board member, as well as Norwich City Women champion, it is Sarah Greaves. Oh, you also need to, everyone needs to unmute themselves today. Yeah. There we go. Well, you know, we're highly skilled professionals now, Michael. Absolutely seamless. Sarah Greaves. <laughs> hello, everyone. There you go. We even stuck to the usual course of hellos. So that worked a treat. Uh, thank you for joining us, everyone out there watching live on the social medias. And if you're listening, not live, thank you very much also. I really appreciate your time at this point when, you know, things aren't going great <laughs> uh, in terms of the football, not in terms of general <laughs> lives. Although if, if that is the case for you also, then you have my thoughts. Um, Steve, how are you? Thank you again for the brilliant job two weeks ago bailing me out as i was on a plane uh, thanks that's I okay listened, I, mean, I haven't listened to it <laughs> obviously we, we know how much of, yeah, yeah you're thanking me you have no idea how it went i mean <laughs> that, the, being you know, brilliant you well, are definitely the, brilliant the fact that nobody kind of reported anything back to you means i, I think i got away with it um exactly. but yeah i would, wouldn't have expected you to have hosted a, a podcast on a on a plane to australia we know how committed you are um despite all your holidays um but you know it's but i don't i think that would have been a that would have been a step too far but um obviously you know how how was it you you look you look like you've come back almost like you went on a sort of surfing holiday to australia like you've been on a gap year or something yes i wish it yeah a gap year that would have been good wouldn't it whole year it was lovely it was a brilliant holiday thank you very much i've come back uh so I, I did get to see an afl game which is now my new second favorite sport i suppose i should say already uh, i just got i just got to learn what it is and what happens <laughs> i'm still working on that um uh but my very good friends in perth um said oh no take take the football so i've now got admittedly it's a it's a it's a joint it's a junior so it's size one uh size one that is really small uh, for five to nine year olds, but I've got my own AFL football and I love kicking this ball. So I'm hoping that some people in Norwich would want to play <laughs> Aussie rules with me at some point. Cause it's actually a bit sad sitting here, sitting in my garden, trying to kick this to myself in no room with no one to catch it. Well, and it's, and it's yellow, which implies to me that they knew that you were uh, the Athletics Norwich City correspondent, Michael Bailey. Uh, well, you know, had, had your yeah, name travelled as far as Australia? Or... I, I, I think <laughs> it's because they were my friends and they know that that's what oh, okay. I do, rather right. than Sorry. my, my uh, situation preceding me. Um, <laughs> but uh, and also, you know, they, they, um, they, they are, have been in Norwich and, um, and one of my friends is someone I went to school with 
all through high school. So he definitely knows all about Norwich. So, uh, yeah, the good thing about this American, American uh, Aussie rules football is that there's a, also a, it's a special edition. So on here it says Crime Stoppers, Dobbin a dealer, which I love. So I don't know. Maybe that's uh, brilliant. Maybe that's an issue in in Australia. I, I don't know. But there we go. Anyway, other than that, the holiday was great. Thanks. <laughs> so yeah, excellent. Um, really good. Um, and we'll talk about the football that happened while I was on holiday as well, because that that I found quite amusing. Um, probably more than anyone who had to pay to go and watch the football, who will uh, definitely have uh, my my thoughts with them. But how are you? Are you well, Steve? Is everything good? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Tickety boo. Wonderful to see you back. Bless. Oh, Sarah, how are you? I'm good, thank you, Michael. I um, I actually had a positive day at Carrow Road yesterday, which I think we'll talk about at some moment in time. The best best day at Carrow Road this season, I think. Unbelievable, which which speaks volumes. Um, but we will definitely be talking about that. Uh, which of course the women's uh women's debut at Carrow Road, which I still find completely. Uh, remarkable. Uh, I was there as well. It was a really yeah. wonderful occasion. And we will definitely be talking about that because the more we can talk about that, the less we can talk about the plight of the men, um, <laughs> yeah. which is uh, which is grand. But uh, I think that's all of uh, that stuff done. So glad everyone's well. I hope you're all well out there watching and listening as well. Uh, if you do want to get in touch with us live, please do so. You can do that on YouTube and Facebook. Just comment and they'll come through to me. Give it a go on Twitter as well. Post a tweet, uh, tag me in it, and hopefully I'll see it in my notifications. That's assuming Twitter still works. I mean, it's a bit of a minefield, isn't it, these days? Uh, so that would be grand. And if you're not listening live, that's okay. You can still get in touch with any comments, questions, rants, um, anecdotes, literally anything. I will read anything. Uh, and you can send those on our very own special email, which is the remnants of our own secret club that um, uh, basically got done in in the same way that table pukui will be leaving the club uh, uh, but anyway you can email us twitterkers twitter k-e-r-s at icloud.com and we will always pick those up and give them a read uh, which is always fun uh, right let's crack on then shall we with this week's headline act I mean, I say headline act. It's probably not really what we want to talk about first because I would happily talk about the women's game on Sunday first. But I feel like we should address the men's situation primarily because there have been three games of football played uh, since, well, since Steve last did a podcast. Um, mm. um, we'll never mention the Sheffield United game again, obviously. Uh, but since then, uh, Norwich picked up a wonderful win at Blackburn with two fantastic goals. Uh, they then produced a goalless draw at home to Rotherham in the absolutely, supremely predictable follow-up to that game at Ewood Park uh, before getting absolutely smashed by a good championship team at Middlesbrough. Um, how did we all experience all this then? Steve, how did you experience all of this, the, joy, the joys of Easter and then the following weekend uh, if we make it a long Easter? I think I missed the... I missed the the one that you would have actually wanted to watch and managed to catch the other two. So I didn't yeah. didn't really get that the right way around. Uh, yeah, it was kind of, I mean, it literally was the good, the bad and the ugly, wasn't it, in, in that exact order. Um, and I think you're right. You you correctly predicted that Rotherham draw all the way from Australia, having not seen the Blackburn game, which is impressive. Um, yeah, I, I mean, 
it's odd, isn't it? Because we're two points off the playoffs and yet it feels like it's mathematically impossible. Uh, <laughs> I think... I think because we've been in this position, well, maybe we haven't been in this exact position a few times, but getting towards the end of the season, uh, there's, we've usually got something to play for and there's a sense of momentum building or, you know, you go into a game feeling confident that, that there might be goals or you might, you know, you're, you're, the team's going to put up a fight. Um, we haven't really got that and it does feel like the teams around us do. Um, I watched Blackburn play, I think possibly... I can't remember. They came from behind against Huddersfield, which may have been, I think that was on Easter Monday um, before we played Rotherham. And the nature of that, where they came from two goals down to get a point, it felt like, OK, there's a team that, that know that there's something really massive at stake here. I don't really get that with this Norwich City team um, and haven't for quite some time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, <laughs> we'll try and make a case for them finishing in the top six, but it does get harder and harder and harder. Uh, the Borough game itself was the first, like, proper old-fashioned collapse that we've had. Um, believe it or not, we hadn't actually conceded more than two goals in a Championship away game for 35 matches um, until uh, Friday night. Uh, but that felt to me like, um, remember the 5-0 defeat at Brighton when it was just like we had the squad, but it was just a case of we are far from being the best team in this division. That's what that felt like to me. And I think even though it has been that long since we've had a, a whopping great defeat away from home, kind of felt like it had been in the post. Um, and really, as I say, mathematically, it's still on, but that sort of felt like the nail in the coffin for, for this season, and we'll see. The mo- the momentum point is the really key point, because you're, you're right, the table is almost an irrelevance. It does, you can't really reconcile that to how everyone's feeling about it, which is very difficult and probably smacks a lot of the psychology of most of the season since it started to unravel sort of um, autumn time. I think the thing when people are talking to me when I say about it is, you know what? I just don't think Norwich deserve to go up this year. I don't think they've made any good decisions. And, you know, other teams deserve a crack at it because Norwich have literally just sort of, in my mind, it's I'm not necessarily talking about the players, but the club is just a bit complacent in that it either just thinks it'll be all right or they don't care and they don't want to go up. And I'm not really sure which it is. And maybe people themselves don't really. I mean, obviously they want to because they say they want to because you need to look like you want to. But do they really want to? I mean, they want the money. Do they want the hassle? Is it all right where they are? Well, it might be all right. Like if we finish in the top six, that'd be okay, wouldn't it? Would it? I don't know. Uh, there's lots more. I'm going to come on to that in a bit. I was trying to work out what I predicted, Steve. So maybe you can remember. Did I say 11 points from those last games would, I can't. would this have been on the podcast that you said? yeah it would have been i can't remember because i was trying 11 to points what they were. from how many games from five games yeah <laughs> i mean you might have eight eight would have been a lot closer yeah um but i think it wasn't i, I, I don't know how many we got five i think we, have we got five from the last five yes we have yeah, definitely wasn't a lot anyway how about um how have the last uh, three games been for you sarah how have you um yeah i've not seen any in person uh I saw one. Well done. <laughs> I know. Well done. I saw one um, in New York via my laptop. And we were going to try and catch up with the New York Canaries, but the kids all got a projectile vomiting bug. So we stayed in the hotel room <laughs> and watched it <laughs> via uh, Canaries TV, which worked remarkably well. And it felt like it was a great game, stunning goals that we lifted our mood because it was fairly desperate. Uh, we flew home on the day of the Rotherham match, 
couldn't get Wi-Fi to work on the plane, but thought when we landed, well, maybe this is it. They finally turned it around and are going to be consistent instead of that patchy, amazing away victory, terrible home match kind of pattern. Uh, then finally got onto, you know, Twitter and stuff when arrivals and was like, oh, it's kind of like the the hope kind of, <laughs> you know, not unexpected, but also not, I, it's, yeah, what to say anymore. There's nothing left to say. And then, you know, we logged on to watch it on Friday. We, you know, <laughs> again, think, oh, God, this could be quite good. Or Friday night under the lights, miserable weather, anything could happen. Come on, the, the team, they've kind of cobbled together. Yes, but there's leaders in there. There's people playing for next season. There's people playing maybe to stick around or there's people playing who want to move on somewhere else. And, you know, we had that bright four to five minutes again, right? At the beginning, <laughs> good chances. And then as soon as that first Borough attack happened and they scored, it was like, well, you know, that's that then. But I don't think I would have predicted the misery, but I think it was inevitable, like you said, Steve, once they're sort of let one or two or three in, there was just no hope for them. How they didn't let more in in the second half, I think, was because Borough didn't really play in the same way, right? Yeah. Not that I watched all the second half because I gave up. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I think I think this season hope has gone. Last season, I think at the, the last podcast I was on with you guys, I felt last summer we needed to gut that squad and fill it with people who hadn't been through the promotion chasing game before and get that hunger and desire back into the team and remove that complacency you mentioned Michael and I think we didn't do that we haven't got enough people in that team who who want to do this at the moment it's very uh, sorry Steve I was just going to say that it always struck me that the last time they got relegated they brought in 11 players and they're like we need to freshen this up and kick it on this yeah. time kind of like bought one or two in Couple on loan, hope for the best. Couple of midfielders who've never played in England before, and oh, it'd be all right because the rest of the squad's great. What was it? I don't know. Anyway, sorry, Steve, you're going to say something much more intelligible. No, no, no. And uh, you know that that's a point that I have uh, banged on about before is that the, the squad needed a refresh when we came down and we signed uh, four players, all of whom were midfielders, and two were on loan, one of whom scored against us on Friday um, and uh, another of whom, Isaac Hayden, we've we've barely seen on the pitch. I mean, I, in a weird way, I, you know, I, I know that um, Onel's come out and said sorry and I don't think the club have uh, sort of reimbursed anyone or anything like that. And I, I've, I, you know, hats off to the fans that went there mm-hmm. on Friday night because, my God, that is a hell of a journey. Weather looked atrocious and then the performance was not much better. And but, if you're the club coaches, you can't even leave early, right? You're just there to the end. Stuck in Middlesbrough, yeah. you know. I suppose Friday night in Middlesbrough, I don't know if there's anything to do. I've never been. But, um, but like, no. I, I, I sort of, in, in some respects, I kind of found that, Perform- well, not performance so much, but that game slightly more forgivable than some of the other matches we've yeah. had, like or, like almost a draw at Huddersfield or the home defeat to to Watford. Um, you know, I, I think it was tough day for the for the Hanley Gibson McLean haters because I don't think we would have lost that game five one. Mm-hmm. You know, replace them with two twenty year olds and a twenty five year old playing out of position. That's what happens, you know. And there probably are three, apart from Tamey, maybe most experienced pros at this level. And I think you you take them out of the team, and that collapse can happen. Um, 
and actually in a weird way like our attacking was better than in a number of, like say the nil nil draw against Stoke we created more going forward but we just had absolutely you know as soon as Borough put anything on us we we looked like like Sarah said just like we couldn't kind of hack it basically um I think Gabriel Sarah to me is clearly our best uh, creative talent but was arguably at fault for three goals and that's mm-hmm. what happens when you're playing a man too deep yep. along alongside again a 20 year old so I think that it was kind of the denouement of of what's just been a really bad season ter- really bad recruitment across the board and a squad that as we've said badly badly needs freshening up with with injuries of course not helping either. It, it, to me it was sort of like ripping off the plaster and showing what it's really like underneath yeah. right and it's been there nearly all season. We've tried to keep positive and think, no, they can do it. Even when they were like second or third, it didn't feel like they were a team that were performing at that level in the championship. Even though it's been a, in a even though it's been a weak league this year, but um, I think that just showed us all their vulnerabilities, all the frailties in positioning, all the issues around people playing out of position, the youngsters, the non-experienced, it just showed it all. And, I, and in a way, that's like, is that good to know? Well, we've kind of all sort of seen it. So it's it's desperate it happened, but maybe that needed to happen for us to regroup and move forward. Yeah, and and just sorry, Michael, just, I, I mean, the, the, the whole, you know, obviously I'm stats guy and the fact that Borough had seven shots and scored with their first five shots kind of makes it suggest that that wasn't a 5-1 game. Um, mm-hmm. I, I would argue that that second goal also should never be given because um, Sam McCallum is on the floor when Middlesbrough awarded a free kick. Um, so it's not to do with Middlesbrough playing on. The referee should stop the game at that point and, mm-hmm. and it comes down, you know, again, we def- should defend it better, but that's, it comes down. Yeah, but the defending was still woeful. Yeah, it, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. Um, but, uh, but all those mitigating circumstances belie the fact that we deserve to lose that game by four goals. And like you said, Sarah, they, they, um, <laughs> I know you didn't see it, but they, they completely went back into second gear and, and like let us off the hook in that last yeah. half an hour. So yeah, to me, it was just one of those really sobering games where it's like, this is a team that knows how to play really top championship football. We have been one of those teams. We know what they look like. And, and to me, the biggest difference was not necessarily the quality on the pitch, but just the kind of the organization, the hunger and, you know, it's a real cliche, but just it did feel like they wanted it more. You alluded to it, Michael. I don't know whether we believe that we can finish in the top six, which sounds bizarre with a squad of players that have been there and done it before. But I just don't think we're we're up for that this year. This year. It's a really interesting debate because um, I, I did get the chance to watch Chanel Hernandez, just the, mm-hmm. the clip, I think, that Tognor City put out of whichever interview he gave. I haven't really twigged where that's come from and because of youtube it was his youtube channel he put it out on his own channel um oh has he got his own youtube channel has he Mm -hmm. the cuban oh what's cuban baller cuban baller yeah i was gonna be a cuban missile but no it's cuban baller you're right i assumed that was him being interviewed by the cuban baller not that that was him but now that does it and then i was like oh it's in english (laughs) so that wouldn't necessarily go out in cuba it's just him well i better give that a subscribe obviously follow what anel's doing um but I think, you know, fair play to Arnell. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's good that he does it. I think what it does to me is it was a really good um, opportunity um, to, 
to tap into how a lot of footballers will feel. Not all of them. Some will just try and switch off from it. Some won't really care because they're going to do something else. But, you know, a lot of them will really genuinely be hurting. They will they will really hurt after getting that. They will be embarrassed. They will feel, geez, like we get paid to go out and perform and we were rubbish. And also, like, these, some of these, you know, there'll be things that I'm sure Anel wanted to say that it's not right that he does say in public but maybe get said in the dressing room. You don't know. There's all sorts of fallout from results like that. And, you know, there's just only so much you can say, really. He's obviously really sorry. A lot of the players will be really hurting and going, look, sorry. But there's also only so much you can say other than beating yourselves up. And you can just tell from him, like, they they, they really want to emphasise that they feel crap about it. But there's no real answer. It's such a chemistry thing in terms of a team and whatever's happening that you can't... You can try and go out and give a better performance and work harder and look better, but deep down the actual hunger and those elements you can't really do much about that there's only so much you can say but i think it's just good to see that probably that's what goes through most players heads in this situation is that they're crippled because they feel rank about it but there's not a lot they can do and they can only sort of say that repeatedly and beat themselves up in a flogging but it doesn't really matter until you play again and then you know who knows what we're going to get at qpr so um i did find a I did. Uh, I did find an amusing uh, social media clip from Sky Sports News, which was, uh, I think they just clipped because um, Sergeant's goal came so quickly after Middlesbrough. Oh, yeah. Third was it? I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, they were like, "Oh, it's the comeback on," because it was like it seemed like it was like a replay of two Borough goals, <laughs> and then oh, by the way, Norwich have just scored. And it's like, well, yeah, no, comeback's <laughs> not on. Norwich have just got a consolation. Anyway, um, so my my time away. Obviously, I was away. I was in Australia. It was lovely. Um. I uh, was too enwrapped in jet lag to follow the Blackburn game. Um, I sort of had the score popped up and I think I woke up at sort of midnight thinking, oh, I'll know the result now. And I looked and it was 2-0 and I was like, wow, that's amazing. And obviously I could tense from some tweets that it was a really good performance and the goals were really good. I didn't see them until like a few days later. Um, and then I was thinking, God, imagine if Norwich win all three of these games uh, while I'm away. It will all be my fault. You know, it's, it's, I should not come back to the country. I basically cost Norwich everything they've ever done. Um, a hell of a reason to just emigrate and never come back. <laughs> yeah, see you later. I, Sorry, like guys. I'm jinxing my local football team. I'm doing you all a favour here. Um, it's something interesting you, you said a bit earlier, Steve, which was like, you know, the Rotherham performance off the back of the Blackburn game when everything had gone so well was like a surprise. And to me, the one thing you can't do with this Norwich team is judge what they did in the last game and think that they'll do something similar in the next one because they're so erratic. So I did, I think it got to 40 minutes. I, everyone was asleep. I was in bed and I thought, uh, I was with my five-year-old, so he was already asleep. And I was like, I'll try not to seven. I'm going to buy a, I'm going to spend 10 pounds. I'm going to buy a Canary's pass. It's only, it's already 40 minutes gone and it's nil nil or 35 minutes gone. It's nil nil. <laughs> I don't care. I'm going to watch this. So I turned it on, watched the end of the first half where, you know, I could sell that Norwich had had all their good chances earlier and then yeah. it sort of dropped off a cliff. And then I saw the start of the second half. I probably was still awake until about the 60th minute. And it was trudgy, horrible stuff. And I was like, I've seen too much of this. Then I just fell asleep. <laughs> I don't know what happened. I was like... <laughs> <laughs> and um, I think I woke up in the morning thinking, oh, I, I fell asleep. I don't know what happened here. Surely it didn't finish nil-nil. And then boom, it did. Well, I, like, I mean, oh, that's classic. I think, I don't know if you'd agree with this, sir. I think if you were had seen the game from the start you wouldn't have been at all surprised if it finished 0-0 <laughs> because it was one of those where we were 
not ever looking like breaking. Again, to be fair, cracking first five. My God, we turned up for that first five. <laughs> uh, but after that, it you know, and and that again kind of comes back to what we say about the the really good Norwich City teams at this level have always had that ability to score late goals. You know, yeah. you know and that exactly. <laughs> that has, is not a coincidence. And 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 that kind of creates that belief in the stadium that it's going to come, and it's almost then becomes a surprise if it doesn't. I, mm-hmm. you know, there, there was never any sense that we were going to get a goal in in that game, um, and they they weren't they weren't terrible. They did create chances, like again, seen them play worse this season. But um, when you're going for the playoffs, with no disrespect to Rotherham, Rotherham at home, you you, you can't be allowed that to finish nil. That is the, that is a the result of a team that's coming ninth or tenth. I have to say, I think I was. I think the point at which I fell asleep was just after Temu missed his chance that he put wide at the far post, oh, yeah. and that, by some way, was a, that was such a good chance. I think in mm-hmm. my head, the 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 uh, you know <laughs> thirty thirty year old following Norwich subconsciously went, "I ain't scoring today, boy. Go to sleep." <laughs> and <then> I went. <laughs> I went. Um, I, I, we were then back. On the Friday, so um, I was, there was no chance I was going to Middlesbrough, obviously, but uh, I did get to watch it on Sky at home. Um, me and my wife sat there for the first five or six minutes going, oh, they're playing well here. They're creating some chances. And I, I remember, I was thinking she said that, and I remember just saying, yeah, they they really need to take one of these, otherwise they're just going to go up the other end and score. <laughs> Literally within 30 <laughs> seconds, Aaron Ramsey had scored. Uh, my wife then went to bed. I then fell asleep inexplicably because, again, I was tired. And um, I woke up on about 81 minutes and it was 5-1. And I don't <laughs> think I, – I, I think there was a bit of me that just went, oh, <laughs> I got that right. Yeah, that is right. How has that happened? And I just didn't have the energy to – work out how until i watched the goals back in the morning and i to be honest i have had no inclination to watch that game <laughs> normally i might try and watch the full 90 minutes to really appreciate it but no the goals were so poor and it's like you know what mm-hmm. i've seen enough of that game already um quite interesting watching all the aaron ramsey fall out i, I think i have a unique perspective on this because the general perception seems to be everyone in Norwich hates him <laughs> there, there has been no one to have done anything worse than what Aaron Ramsey did on on Friday um I, so to just oh Steve do you want uh, Steve do, what how how is this tell tell me what this why is this so bad what's happened and why he you know deserves to be punched in the face <laughs> not really not well really. i'm, I'm not gonna joke. have a case violence against what like a a 20 year old he's basically a boy isn't he he's basically he's, he's almost very a very young man very yes young. a very young immature man um i mean I, can i see his side of it maybe i mean I, I, thinking back i I think he didn't get the best like reception when he joined the club. That's probably fair to say, because I think there was a, oh, he's just here because of Dean Smith. Mm-hmm. And whether he clocked any of that, I don't know. But I would say on the flip side, he had his chance. Like, th- this was the club that's given him his first real chance at this level. And maybe his opinion is that he thinks like, well, you were lucky to have me. I played well when I was here and you didn't give me the respect that I deserve. Maybe he genuinely does think that. Um, in which case you can see where the response came from. I mean, he didn't go the full Adebayor, did he? But um, it, it was quite, it felt quite pointed. He didn't have to go to the away fans. He didn't have to point at his shirt. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I would never be that way inclined when I'm never going to get up on a pitch to, to, to do it. <laughs> <Go> on, <Steve. laughs> yeah. 
stick it stick it to the two people that watch at uea sports park on a sunday morning um <laughs> but but like i i just think like especially i don't know i just I, I, it just seemed a bit pathetic to me really i i don't i don't know why he had to do it maybe it was like a i'm at a better level now i don't need you anymore but i don't really it wasn't as if he left on particularly horrendous terms and I, he could have scored just celebrated like normal and no one would have made anything of it but he obviously chose to make it a thing so there's clearly some some bad blood and some rancor there. I know you've got your own take on it Michael as to why that is but I don't really see why that should be directed at the fans. Sarah what do you think? Well I, th- I think when he was here he um, you know we, we grew to quite like him right? I, I met him with my youngest after one of the games he stopped he signed autographs he seemed quite happy to be with the squad He'd really sort of grown into a player that I thought could have kicked on for us. And then he got the injury and we were all a bit gutted about that. And then miraculously, he suddenly recovers and appears somewhere else, which is a bit frustrating. Don't know the full story behind that. And I presume for the fallout from that on social media was not nice in his direction. I remember it not being particularly pleasant. Um, And that is probably what has clouded his opinion. Did he need to do what he did? Probably not. Can I understand that players get frustrated with the abuse and direct comments they get on social media? Yeah, I, I, we all can, right? We've all seen it for ourselves and for players. So, you know, but he should have been a bit more mature in that particular instance. I mean, um, one one thing that I said in the WhatsApp group, I said a few things in the WhatsApp group, which Ooh, I'm not going to repeat, but, uh, but which I but I think this is worth repeating is that now that he's in Borough, he'll probably like suddenly cancel his contract there and, and rock up at Sheffield United <laughs> for the end of the season just to guarantee himself a, a promotion. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I suppose if if he is listening, which he um, almost certainly won't be, but I think what what we can say in his favour is. Um, we like we are definitely worse off for him not being here. Yeah. He is a player in a position that we could really, really do with. Mm-hmm. And I think we probably ended up with a thin edge of the wedge, mm-hmm. losing him mm-hmm. and gaining Marquinhos, in all honesty. Well, this is it. So I think I completely agree with you both and anyone else. He didn't really need to run over to the Norwich fans. There's no need. Leave him to it. You know, and maybe if he was a bit older, he probably wouldn't have done that. Yeah. Um uh, it's interesting you brought up him joining because I I, th- I think that that was sort of water under the bridge and everything was going quite well for him at Norwich. He was having a really good season. Okay. Everyone seemed to be quite happy. So I think that was maybe that was definitely the initial feeling. I think even I said it a few times. It's like why we don't even need this player. Um, but you know, by the time or ahead of his injury or say up to the World Cup, mm-hmm. he was one of the most creative players in the Championship. Not even not even just in the Norwich squad. He was you know in terms of his uh, minutes on the pitch, he was as attacking and as creative as it got across the entire division. Mm-hmm. So he was doing really well. I think the problem is, and you've almost summed it up there, Sarah, um, this perception, there was this perception that basically he got injured, made a big deal of it, lost his dad and then kicked off, wanted to go home and then wanted to go to a different club because he knew the coach there. And his um, dad being Dean Smith, right? Yes, yeah. yeah. Right, he's obviously not his really dad. Losing his yeah, dad. yeah, just to completely clarify. Obviously not point. his dad. <laughs> and um, Aaron Danks is at Middlesbrough and he um, coached him at Villa as well. So yeah, there's lots of connections there. But as far as I was led to believe, um, this was the point, it was Norwich who basically, his injury was never really long term. His, 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 
I think it was sort of a, it was questionable. It was maybe that he would be fit come February, so it wasn't going to be math, or maybe it might have been slightly longer. But even then, if you're going for a playoff campaign, you wouldn't necessarily cut him out because he was one of the best players. Mm-hmm. The much more overriding fact from everything I heard was that the power brokers at Norwich basically went well. Dean Smith was the one who really wanted him and he's not here now and your manager might not want him anymore anyway. So let's just bin him off. Let's just send him back. We'll get someone else. We can get that Marquinhos from Arsenal. So well, no wonder he doesn't like us then. So if you're Aaron <laughs> Ramsey, you'd be like, what? Yeah, you know, I'm all right. I'm fine. And, and then you have the perception that it's him who wanted away. And then you get a shed load of stick for wanting that. Even you're like, well, you know, I was all right. Thanks. So, and then one of the better teams in the championship comes along and has you. So what are you going to think? You're like, yeah, screw you guys. So in that whole scenario, again, I just think it's it. hindsight shows that to be a stupid move by Norwich to basically go, no, we don't want you anymore because we never really rated you, but Dean wanted you. Like literally the guy had proven he was as creative as anyone in that Norwich team. And mm-hmm. so is the second half of the season. So to be honest... Um, you know, he did basically he'd have been better off running to the director's box. That's exactly what I was gonna say. He should have celebrated <laughs> running to the fans because the fans, <laughs> as you say, the fans really supported him while he had a shirt, uh, while he was wearing the shirt. I don't think there was ever any issue there. It's just this sort of narrative that got sold that he wanted out and then wasn't that badly injured, so we could go and get a move somewhere else. And that I don't think that's fair on Aaron. So, um, yeah. so yeah, that's how I view it. But I, I, you know, I know how. I know how football fans work. No, <laughs> I know and, no one and, gives a crap about the sense. I did write all this in January, by the way. It's, it's about three pieces on the athletic. But. And and I think you can be totally right on that point, but people can still hold the opinion of what yeah. a you know. Piece and they of might work. not care. They might be like, nah, no, screw it. You know. Right. And that you know what. Um, and just on this, Jake has left a comment saying he's a US supporter, so doesn't have the Norwich culture around him daily, interacts with the club and supporters via social media alone. And from that perspective, he says, I understood Ramsey. So um, as you say, that all of that may be water under the bridge, potentially. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he may have been paying attention to some of it. You know, and that, that's how I felt about it as well. But, um, you know, I wasn't paying money. In fact, I wasn't even there you were asleep (laughs) you're about to fall fall asleep (laughs) i saw that bit live and i remember going oh are you all right there aaron (laughs) (laughs) um i mean i I was going to ask how broken it all feels um and maybe we've touched on that and to be honest we've got a few weeks to touch on that anyway coming but it it, it is fascinating to me that norwich have already sold twenty thousand season tickets for next season um what is that about because you know that makes me think you know what the supporters don't really care either like maybe they don't care maybe it's okay or are people renewing out of habit um because ultimately those inside the club will be like it doesn't really matter because we've sold another twenty thousand season tickets or is it just that (laughs) you're saying we shouldn't renew (laughs) no no no, but i I, you know i want to sit here and say i want this club to excel to be the best it can be to be smart to look like it's making the right decisions um if they then don't and i'm sitting there going you guys have got to do a better job of this i would love you know for you to be open to have a chat about it so you're actually held to account that probably won't happen um but i don't know if i'm in a position where i've got the authority to do that if all the supporters are going wow we'll keep going it'll be right 
and, th- and that that's fine as well if that is the case because then it's a drum i don't need to bang personally because maybe the supporters are right or is it just because they timed the campaign well because david wagner came in and everyone was like yay he's great and then a few months on it's like oh he's, he's not quite as good and now we've bought the ticket so let's see where we are in september i don't know i, I don't know i don't know the answer but what do, well, what, what, what do you guys think I mean, I, I think I think partly the habit thing is is a big point because there are people who have been there. You know, it's part of maybe the issue with the atmosphere. There are people who have been there 30, 40 years. You know, I'm not far off that myself, um, and I couldn't imagine not going. But also, I think I do agree that it's been bad this year, right? And it was bad the year before. And Norwich City fans have not had much fun. There's not been much fun to be had watching the men's team at Carrow Road for quite a while, but. We have won the championship title two of the last three seasons, and I think that's probably enough for people to keep coming mm-hmm. back. You know, this the this season, the way it's panning out, doesn't feel that dissimilar to uh, the uh, end of the first Daniel Farker season. Yep. And bloody hell, I'm not saying that we're going to rampage the title next year because, um, well, I've, I've still got some element of sanity left. But, I, but you know, it, it shows that these things can turn around with a decent summer of recruitment now that's a big if uh but it 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 could happen and i think that's part of the beauty of being in the championship and i'll never agree with the people that say oh this is less fun than being in the premier league no it's not you can go well, at least we're going into games thinking oh we could still we could win this today um so like I, qpr I, on wednesday <laughs> well, <laughs> well, we'll, co- we'll come to that but i think i think you know it's it's part of being a football fan isn't it to think that you know as bad as things are now who knows next august we could be a completely different yeah. to use the dean smith phrase <laughs> who <laughs> and um uh yeah and i i am not somebody who wants to sit here and you know ruin people's optimism so I'm not going to say what I was going to say. All right, I am going to say it. I mean, to me, it doesn't really feel that... It, I, I just feel like in that first Daniel Farker season, they brought in three players over January and it was quite a clear build. They were quite clearly putting steps in place. They were tight defensively. They had some really good, solid games. They just looked like they couldn't score, but it always felt like there was a there was something they were building towards, which again, wouldn't be a surprise because all the hierarchy were new as well. Mm-hmm. Whereas this time, I don't, I don't, what, what I see is Gabriel Sarah getting sold in the summer, <laughs> to be honest. But, um, and then what does that do for your building blocks when you, how do you, rec- how on earth are they going to get the recruitment they need well, come next summer? I can't really it, get my head around that. It Maybe they'll on, get it right. Maybe. Everything, right? You know, and someone's mentioned it in the chat and the comments in terms of what's happening with the shares that were issued and who's buying them. It depends on the cash coming in. It depends on who's going to be, majority shareholders of the club it depends on who's what that means to the executive team what that means to the board what that means to the manager I think he'll still be there what that means to the players and I, I wouldn't be at all surprised if we get to the end of the season and then there's there is a massive change at all levels I know that nothing is. but that's what it kind of feels like that we're kind of getting to the end of an era and then a new era needs to begin. And that's why fans are renewing, because they're thinking, you know what? It it can only get better. Obviously, it could get worse. But let's not <laughs> go back to that League One situation we had before. But, you know, but the the fan base is there. We've had that success. We, we could be the Brentford, Fulham 
of the next couple of seasons, right? That is what we need to be. And it's gutting. And I mean, I'm pleased for those clubs, but it is gutting to see teams that we cruise to victory over in the championship, now riding high in the Premier League mm-hmm. and sticking there, right? And doing well. That should be us. That should be our club. And I think if the fans give up on that, who else is going to be holding the club to account to make that happen? happen and be a reality so that's why we renew because we want to be there supporting the players on the pitch and we want to be pushing the club to deliver what we want well said and absolutely right in terms of you know I I almost sort of scrub it off because I've not been convinced that there would be an you know a really swift resolution in terms to significant investment in the club but who's to say who knows I do not know None of us know anything, but at some point, something has to happen. because Surely. (laughs) Surely at some point, something has to happen. Those shares were created and and released, right? And they were. Um, Right. Well, I think we've we've ably done all that stuff. So uh, what about the things we are not going to talk about? (laughs) Um, We're not going to talk about injuries. Um, I kind of lost track of this a little bit, but from what I gathered... Kenny McLean injured his ligaments, mm-hmm. uh, ankle ligaments, and he is out for the rest of the season. Unless we yeah. get to Wembley. Unless we get to Wembley. Unless we get to Wembley. Great work. Uh, Grant Hanley, I, I, it sounds like he snapped his Achilles. Yeah, he had, ruptured Achilles, yeah. Was a ruptured Achilles. So, Which is I mean, he's out. He's, well, he's out. not only that, I mean, he's going to be out for six to nine months. I would say, and and may well be months then away from being back to his best. So, Grant, you know, obviously we all wish you a speedy and the best possible recovery. But I don't think we'll yeah. be seeing him for a fair while. Um, are there any other ones? Gibson, any other? Gibson, oh Gibson. yeah, Ben Gibson. He hamstring. Yeah, he was he was the pundit, wasn't he? I know. Really? I felt for him. I well, thought he was he was our best performer on uh, on Friday <laughs> night. I thought I thought he looked so sad under that umbrella. I, I mean, know. Imagine I felt that. So sorry for him. <laughs> I bet he, he was not signing up for that, was he? Having to deconstruct that absolute mess. But that guy. is why that you know there there is some like I obviously love the idea of openness and you know people doing things and you know that sort of stuff, but. If I was a head of comms or a comms, that would be why I'd be saying, Ben, don't do it. Because <laughs> if this goes tits up, you've got to then deal with that. And you, you don't really want to be in that position. So um, I thought he was quite good. Yeah. I but yeah, he did as well as he could in a difficult situation, right? I, I was asleep, so I didn't see any of halftime. I saw a little <laughs> bit of the nice start. Shoes as well. And the, the one thing I wasn't going to do was watch beyond the final whistle. So that went straight off and I went straight up to bed. Um Tamu Puki is leaving the football club this mm. summer. Uh, something which I feel like I've been saying for about 12 months. So um wasn't particularly surprising, uh, other than the fact that it came out when I was in Australia. <laughs> um, so there we go. Uh, that's sad, I, I suppose. My, my first, I mean, look, I've... I've feel like I've uh, dug a, a hole for myself talk about Tamu in the yes. last couple of months. I mean, I, I read him be... anyway, eh? Well, I mean, okay, so uh, we'll have time to eulogise about Tame, I'm sure, before the end of the season. In fact, I think that that Blackpool game at, on the final game of the season, let's assume that playoffs might be out of the equation by then. Um, if that will be like the same as the Leeds game was was Wes's game, uh, yeah. that will be Tamu's game and deservedly so. Probably the best centre forward I've seen here. Mm-hmm. Um 
in terms of him going now, it, it feels like absolutely the right time. Going to just throw a couple of quick stats at you. Uh, last Friday was uh, seven months since he last scored at Carrot Road. Oh. Hasn't scored at Carrot Road in that time. And um, we haven't scored a goal with Tamey on the pitch at Carrot Road in 2023. Not a single one by any player. Um, Adam Eder's goal against Reading was the last one that we scored with Tamey on the pitch. Um, so, I uh, fantastic striker. I just, I'm, I, I think I... I don't, know. don't like to blow my own trumpet on this podcast, as you know. But I but, think I did say that uh, when Wagner came in, that he might be phased out because I don't think he's the kind of striker that suits the way that Wagner likes to play. Mm-hmm. Um, I assume he's probably our top earner. So mm-hmm. an absolute club legend, obviously. Yep. But I think the right time um, for him, for mm-hmm. us, and someone will get a striker who is still very, yep. very capable. So I, it kind of, I'm really sad to see him go, but it is the right time. Yeah. Sorry, silence. Yeah, what else is there to say? An absolute legend, the service to the club, his dedication to the cause, his goals in the Premier League to score as many as he did in two Mm. desperate campaigns, right? I mean, what what a guy, forever welcome at Carroll Road. But I agree with Steve, it feels like this is the right time rather than him having another season in the Championship. And it just not being the way to end his well not end his career he's not that old but to do that next step in his career right it's not where he wants to be he should have a new challenge and thrive in a new situation definitely i i find it really interesting to figure out where he'll go next yeah i um i'll be really interested to see what that is do you think he'll stay in england do you think he'll like well if he does that means he would have to go to the premier league and i just not really convinced he'll get any Premier League offers. So would would a top end say like Southampton coming down from the Premier League, would a top end championship club not take a chance on him? I just cannot see him going, yeah, you know what I really want <laughs> is another season in the championship. I just think he'll go somewhere else. I think yeah. I don't know where that is. I mean I think there's been a bit of talk. Um I've got a friend, Ari, who's a wonderful journalist in Finland, and he was sort of mentioning that it'll probably be an English speaking country. So it could be like MLS or Australia. But then you're looking at the seasons don't quite tally with August in terms of starts. He's got international football with Finland that's really important because they're hoping to qualify for the Euros next coming up. So yep. um I don't know really. I I, I did see Ari mention Daniel Farker and mm-hmm. Gladback. I mean, and I thought yeah, possibly. And maybe mm-hmm. the Bundesliga would be a good shout. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, family's very important to him. So that mm-hmm. that's a partly, I don't know the answer, which is why I'm so fascinated about where he'll end mm-hmm. up. And I still think he's got a bit to offer as well. So yeah, yeah it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, right, moving on to the other things we're definitely not going to talk about. Uh, I've, I don't know if I misheard this. Dean Smith's now Leicester City manager. <laughs> yeah, he's back in the Premier League. I mean, League. I've not seen, I refuse to believe it. I've not seen any footage I've not yeah. tried to. Was I, he actually in a dugout? I I, a, I I watched match of the day on Saturday night and gave I can the post- confirm it certainly looked like him and it sounded <laughs> like him. Uh he was he was complaining about a penalty award, so that sort of roughly tallies okay. with um at Manchester City. Because <laughs> that was yeah. why they lost, yeah. Uh I don't think he's I don't think he's fallen out with the fans at Leicester yet though, so that's that's something for him. Um I might be mad here and people in the comments might think I've lost it, but I I wouldn't be that shocked if they stayed up. They've got favourable yeah. running. They've got a favourable looking running. And they're, you know, Forest, Southampton, 
Everton got a bad defeat. I don't know how Leeds are getting on as we speak. Uh, 2-0 down, they were. 2-0, OK, well, there we go. So, um, I don't think it's... And, you know, the hell of a squad of players. So, they only really need three wins, maybe, from their last eight. And they do have winnable games. So, even with that kind of manager bounce thing that most managers seem to get, if if he can get that, then that might be enough. It's just, do you then appoint him long term? <laughs> Few things would sum up Norwich's season better than Dean Smith keeping Leicester City up <laughs> at the end of the season. They're just few months. Yeah. Fair play for getting the job. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that had a bit to do with Craig Shakespeare having been yeah. Leicester and uh, and John Terry's there as well, isn't he? Yeah. I think mm-hmm. so. That might be uh, that maybe John Terry is the uh, is the brains of of the whole operation, and we'll <laughs> and we'll sort them out. Uh, I don't know, flogging NFTs or something. Oh no! Um, that was so. That was pretty much all the things we are not going to talk about. Although I have put in here, and I do actually really want to talk about it. Was the wonderful game on Sunday with the uh, Norwich City women? Um, their first game at Carrow Road. Ever uh, delighted Ever. to say that they didn't appear to just cut up the pitch needlessly, and they it. did seem to be able to emotionally. <laughs> generally, I mean, it was obviously a bit of a scratchy first half, but you know, they did emotionally deal with the occasion which was apparently two reasons why the women have not been allowed to play in Carrow Road until now. They're not my feelings. In fact, I keep saying it because I find it incredulous that people would actually think they were legitimate reasons for them not playing there, mm-hmm. if I'm honest. Um, but they did. And it was I sat there and it was a wonderful spectacle. I was with my family. We really enjoyed the first half. I stayed for the second. They all they don't know because two of them are very young but it's the longest i've seen either of them watch football so fair play to them well they, they've probably seen you fall asleep in the last two he covers football yet keeps falling asleep really <laughs> it's really weird. easy I'm, like, I'm sorry they're just not very good um <laughs> yeah wonderful occasion um sarah you've had a you've had a lot to say in terms of championing championing what the women's team have done, where they come from through the whole process of integrating with the club. How did you find being around that occasion on Sunday? I I think all of us um, who've sort of been involved with the women's team or following them for, you know, the last few seasons or even longer, it was like the, the end of the beginning of the journey, if that makes sense. Right. This is a dedicated group of, of footballers who, who love Norwich City and love playing for Norwich City women and have been sort of on the periphery of their club whilst re- whilst representing us and wearing the badge and have been putting in those hours themselves, have not been getting the training that they needed, not been getting the facilities or the even the equipment. And and last season, you know, when we were up at that game at the Nest, Michael, they they were battling to stay in the league, right? They they could have got relegated out. And they managed to to win their last home game and stay up. And then they were, it was announced they were being fully integrated in the in the club at last. And then you think 12 months on, look at them, right? You know, they've been riding high in that division pretty much all season. Yes, they're not going to get into the, the top spots to sort of do the playoff thing of the, the way the women's pyramid works, but they're comfortably, well, they should be comfortably third, I think. They've done a, a really good job with a really good squad, recruited really well. You know, the extra training, extra coaching, extra support, extra everything obviously makes a difference. And and but the hard work and the effort that team have put in and the way they've embraced the challenge, embraced interacting with their fans, 
supporting those going up to the nest where they've seen a steady increase sort of throughout the season. And, you know, there's nothing for that team is too much trouble in terms of the the young girls. It's predominantly young girls who will go and watch. You know, it's a mixture in the audience, but you get more female fans there, as you would expect. And the way they've sort of taken on that role model persona as well to say, look, you know, you guys should be playing football and you can come and aspire to play for Norwich City. And I think yesterday, I mean, who knew what to expect? But but what happened, I think, was a very special day with all the things around the, the ground before the game, including the Women's Euro Trophy, all the stalls, you know, the giveaways, the interaction with the fans and the atmosphere was joyous. And has there been anything joyous in Carrow Road for a while? No. And there was families there and kids there who had probably never been to Carrow Road before because there was people looking for where to go with their tickets, which stand am I in? And I think that just created this whole positive atmosphere around this momentous day. And when we sort of walked to get in the stadium and saw people still queuing up to buy tickets at half past one, you thought, you know what, this is going to be this is going to be a big day. And then the queues to get into the ground, meaning that kickoff had to be delayed by 15 minutes, was amazing. So I think they must have sold two and a half thousand more on the day based on, you know, the pre-book sales. And then and then I think, you know, it was frenetic that first half. It was end-to-end. Did the occasion get to them? A bit, I would have thought, but not, unex- not unexpectedly. But did it ruin the did it ruin the game? No, wasn't that a great game of football? Oh, it was brilliant. And also, like that, you know, the fact that you could question whether they were maybe, you know, it obviously been built. They've been built up hugely. This game, it was yeah. like this is since February, was it January? Yeah. They were told we're playing at Cat Road, women's team's first game. We're going to sell yeah. all the tickets. We've got to really push it. This game's really important. It's a real benchmark. All this drilled into them constantly for months. Yes. I wouldn't have got any sleep the night before that game. And yes, the you know, the first half would have probably been erratic, but that that's okay. That happens to any team playing in any sport when they have a big game. It's got yeah. nothing to do with anything else other than it being a really big game with lots on it that you've then got to handle. And they did handle it because they eventually got themselves a two-goal lead that obviously they then, you know, <laughs> gave another goal. But the first half was just end to end, and Norwich were never mm. behind in it. And they had some real Difficult moments. Bryony Williams had a really mm. difficult goal that was conceded. What did she do? She saves a penalty like 10 minutes later or whatever it was. Mm. I was loving it. I was telling my seven-year-old, yeah, four goals, only 11 minutes gone. Yeah, <laughs> she probably thinks it's always like that. Um, and and then you get a second half where it's a bit more cagey. It wasn't as good a game, really. You could argue everyone was dealing with it better, but it wasn't quite as entertaining. Um But yeah, I just thought it was a brilliant occasion for everyone to get stuck into and a uh, real celebration to have seven and a half thousand fans there is phenomenal. And I just hope that they now look at that and no one at the football club should do anything other than, well, obviously we need to get, you know, some games on the Carroll Road. Yeah. You may not always get that crowd, obviously, because you're not going to condense everything into one mm-hmm. moment of demand. Um, but, you know, if you can do it for the, 20, if you can do it for the under 21s every yeah. so often, you can do it for the women's team and you can yeah. make it happen. And I just, there's absolutely zero excuse now from here on in. But, and, yeah, and, and, and a special moment for Megan Todd to score that goal at the end, someone who's been involved in that squad I, and that team for a very long time. And that was a quality goal to wrap up the match. 
it's a great point. Sorry, Steve. I know you want to come no, no, in because I um I remember just before lockdown, I wrote my first proper piece on the women's team for the Athletic, and I went to Plantation Park where they used to play before they were at the Nest. They played Ipswich Town, who have had loads of funding back to the hilt by the club mm-hmm. and also by the FA because it's their chosen East Anglia. Yep. It's just completely slanted and it's rubbish as far as I'm concerned. But greater good grassroots, whatever. Um, and I think Norwich lost 10 nil. They were absolutely could not touch Ipswich. Megan Todd was in the bench because she'd done her ACL, I think. So she hadn't played for months and was still out. But Megan from that point had already been ages. And then we we're like, well, hopefully we'll play at the nest soon. And hopefully we'll get involved with the club a bit more and all of those little seeds. So to be at that game and remember that and what they were trying to do, and then to take it forward to Sunday. And then Megan to score mm-hmm. what was a brilliant goal in the final minute. I mean, you, it's just, I find I'm constantly compelled at how sport dishes out things like that, where, I mean, you, it's not like you can't write it. You would write it, but if you wrote mm-hmm. it, you go, well, that's stupid. That's so pathetically yeah. deliberate. And then what happens? Life plays it out. So Megan Todd breaks through, scores a brilliant goal to seal a 5-3 win. First game at Carrow Road. Happy days. Sorry, and- Steve. Well, and I, and I was going to say the first goal as well was such a fantastic mm-hmm. moment because you could see the significance and that the, yeah. all the players knew the significance of that goal. Um, Alice Parker looks like she has a, an excellent delivery and I really like a, an inverted fullback. That, like, the, the third goal as well was such a fantastic mm-hmm. ball in. Mm-hmm. So that was a great moment. And I also really enjoyed Bryony Williams when she saved that penalty, kind of giving it one fist pump and then going like, concentrate as if like she wasn't <laughs> desperate to absolutely jump in the air with both hands just celebrate like going to the crowd or something go start crowd surfing but um yeah those those are both fantastic and i think you you both touched on it but like i I didn't go on i didn't go yesterday but but that i've heard people say that it was such a wonderful occasion and like we talk a lot about norwich and the men's team and how like fractured it is between the fans and the board and the team at the moment but like that's what football is about is a it's they are pillars of the community right I, I know it sounds slightly twee and old-fashioned but ultimately that is what a football club should be and I think we kind of you know we lose that a little bit in when we're talking week to week but like you've said Sarah like that's thousands of young girls young boys who have gone to maybe their first ever game at Carrow Road and potentially sparked a, a love of football and that's kind of really what it's all about and yeah we don't see enough of that now unfortunately god i sound old but uh, it's, it's, uh... you're younger than me it's the bit i love is that you, you as a as a man and as a boy you never twig that you wouldn't have uh, it's a massive privileged position where you wouldn't have mm-hmm. someone playing football as a role model that you wouldn't mm-hmm. oh they're like me i can do that and I, I, that is what I love about the women's game is that all of a sudden you've got ha- half of Norfolk's child population going, oh, yes, Alice Parker's great. I would love to yeah. be there. And it's mm-hmm. just that straightforward thing. There was a video from it had it was Millie Davis, I think, yeah. um, uh, months ago, where it's just the simple fact of a Norwich City fan wanting her name on the wanting Millie Davis's name on the back of the show. Yeah. And it's that straightforward. And so go girls um keep doing what you're doing it's brilliant it's fascinating and it's uh long may it continue they've got yep. uh, the women have got one game left haven't they i don't know where it's at uh, wait, wimbledon, afc wimbledon afc wimbledon go do them and <laughs> then uh, you can have a nice summer break and come back for next season and, uh, and what a brilliant thing to say
yeah, people get up to the nest. There's a new bus running, so you can get there now. There's not an issue. And um, from next season, the Canaries Trust are going to have a group of season tickets for the women's game, two adults, two kids, um, that we're going to offer for free for the home game. So people will be able to apply and be able to go and experience the women's game up at the nest. Haven't got the details of how we're going to run it or how we're going to organise it, but we will have those season tickets available. So I hope it encourages more people to go along and watch them at, at their home games. Fantastic. So where's the best place to keep an eye out for that when it does come out, Sarah? Well, on the Canaries Trust social feeds, and we'll obviously let you guys know it on the ball so you can promote it out to your audiences. Yes, our massive audience. <laughs> we will do, definitely, Sarah. That's brilliant news. Um, I must admit, I felt quite spoiled after my wonderful AFL, AFL experience. Uh, in Perth, um, because uh, you could, so it's you know Optus Arena, sixty thousand all seater stadium. It's an amazing place. Um, there were only forty two thousand there at the game I went. That was fine. Still a lot of people. Uh, the public transport across Perth is free if you're going to the game. Wow. Nice. Isn't that amazing? And it was seamless. And as a fan experience, I loved it. Now I know mm. it's a new stadium, so therefore it's really easy. But um, so yeah, I'm obviously just a bit spoiled from that one occasion <laughs> where I went to a sport as a guy as a fan. Um, it's like, oh, that would be good, wouldn't it? There we go. They did that no at the pressure. Commonwealth Games. It was all free transport if you had a ticket in Birmingham. Did they in London on the tube in it? In Birmingham, in Birmingham. Oh, Come Birmingham. On. Oh yes, of course. Yeah, no, you wouldn't do that in London, would you? <laughs> no. Um, right. Well, that's all the things that we're not going to talk about. This could be the longest podcast we've ever done. Um, Let's move on swiftly then, shall we, to this. This is almost fantasy football. Yes, thank you, John. Um, the fantasy here is that Norwich are playing twice in a week. Uh, for the last time this season, everyone will be sad or relieved to know. Uh, Norwich play at QPR on Wednesday night at Loftus Road. I like going to Loftus Road. Uh, it's a nice ground, isn't it? Uh, it's, yeah, it's sort of unique. I remember tr trucking down there for a 1-1 draw in the late 90s. <laughs> like, wow, I, this is I what it's there, all about. I, I went there, I can't remember what year it was, but we were 3-0 down at half-time. Um, it might have been like, it might have been after Peter Grant was sacked, that kind of era. Oh, yeah. That sort of time. It was, uh, <laughs> those were like, even compared to now, dark days. Yeah, I was at that <laughs> game. That was that was a rank game. Um so the good news is QPR have only won once out of their last 20 matches. One win in 20. Yeah. So ten, 10 defeats Norwich in 12. Are, what's that? 10 defeats in 12 as well. So, I mean, Norwich aren't going to, not going to lose gonna this game, are they? No, no. Uh, <laughs> They're not going to lose. Well, we all know the phrase, don't we? Uh, from Norwich. That's the one. Great podcast. <laughs> great podcast um but so hopefully it'll be more on the ball than along come norwich on wednesday nothing against the podcast obviously that's just more in, of, in terms a, of the title, a literal yeah. reference yeah. um yeah i mean this is uh, let's 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 reignite the playoff push and say we've still wow. got a chance uh we have <laughs> to win this right we have to win it i think i mean i'm planning to go away for the weekend if we're that weekend that we would be in the playoffs uh, and I'm I'm going to make arrangements if we don't win on Wednesday because that's that's me writing it off uh, formally for that for the semi-finals. <laughs> I, um, I admire. Eric Marty, you, you haven't written I, it off. Yet. Well, I've spent however many hundreds of pounds on a season ticket to watch absolute dross week in week out. I am not giving up the chance for playoff semi if there's any hope. But I think if we don't win at QPR, 
uh, with their one win in 20 games. I think we can, uh, I think that's good night Vienna, isn't it? Um, Gareth Ainsworth. My, um, my wife was trying to talk to me about, you know, future plans for, for May or whatever. And I was like, you know, will you be available on this Sunday? And I'm like, well, I probably, but I don't know. And she just looked at me and went, babe, they're not, they're not going to get in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, well, I can't say that now because it's not mathematical. I've done this job long enough. But, um, but this, yeah. this is why that this is like the answer to your question where we keep coming back because, yeah. well, you know, we've got to, we're all deluded. <laughs> we're all deluded. I think that's more accurate. Yeah. It's, um, it's so true. <laughs> yes, that's true. Uh, so there we go. Keep your eyes exciting. That's on Wednesday. And then Sun Saturday, the following Saturday, 3 p.m. kickoff. The delights of the Russell Martin reunion yeah. with Swansea. How are Swansea doing? Are they? They're obviously safe, aren't they? Now uh, they're not that far behind us, actually. Excellent. They are five points behind. So in theory, <laughs> if results really go against us, could be above us by the end of Saturday. I mean, things are not going brilliantly for Russ at uh, Swansea. Uh, I know there was that issue where he brought his entire backroom staff in uh, to a pre-match press conference was it in just after the uh transfer window closed in protest against the board so i'm not yeah. i'm not really sure how he's still there after, <laughs> after that um they can't afford uh, to sack him that tells me but um, they have won four of their last five so they're going well um oh i mean as if i haven't um slandered the guy enough on this podcast i wonder if Wednesday might be I don't know I feel so bad to say but should we bench Tamu? I mean um I was asked a question over the oh, weekend he's about, like, oh, you are relentless I'm sorry you have an I'm agenda. so sorry to the guy I mean you said he Do was nice you? you said he was a nice man or someone someone did so I feel like he that, is that a nice man <laughs> I, I just think like someone asked me the question over the weekend about our record with one striker versus two mm-hmm. strikers and we have in the 10 games, only 10 games where we played with one of Puki, Sergeant, and Ida, we've won eight, drawn one, and lost one. So there is a clear, I mean, I don't know if that's a big enough sample size, but there is a clear, uh, feels like a clear enough reason to go with one. And I think based on Friday, it should be Josh. It's mm-hmm. just who do you then pick in midfield? Maybe Nunez should, um, should get a go again. Um, we're kind of running out of options, but I do mm-hmm. think it's time for either your sergeant to sit mm-hmm. on the bench because more than one striker just doesn't seem to work see mm-hmm. your problem steve is you are taking statistics and drawing a causal relationship to them whereas <laughs> it's not it's not Tamu's <laughs> fault how do you think <laughs> i got on this podcast that, that's all i ever do <laughs> i'm just looking at it thinking yes onesie are on 56 points in 13th so i think if we were looking at it with really dark glasses uh that 13th is probably the worst Lowest position Orange could finish. Yeah. Um, if, you know, they don't pick up any more points and another team. I mean, West Brom are the only team below them within reaching, within reachable distance who have a game in hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do remember saying back in October that I thought West Brom and Middlesbrough would both finish above Norwich. Middlesbrough definitely will. So, anyway, cheery. Um, As it turns well, out, you could any any two teams at that point, and you would probably still be right. Well, yeah, that's very true, actually. Um, well, there we go. That's exciting. So, are we all excited? Six six points, six points from six from two, two games. Um, How many goals? I mean, 
if will they score? If we do get six points, though, like, yeah. <laughs> yes, I, like, I love it, Steve. Yeah, like, it's like Go every on. single time we do a podcast and we rule, we say, "Well, it's not happening." They then, like, I'm sure the last podcast we would have said, "Well." It's not going to happen. And then they win at Blackburn. Blackburn. And then it's like, okay, it's back on again. I just think the team's a bit too thin on the ground. There's not much you can change. There's not many people to bring in. I'm a bit concerned about the fragility from a sort of belief in themselves perspective and the central defence. I'm going to quote that sage philosopher, Michael Bailey, at you and say that with this Norwich team, you can't, uh, go by the previous performance because they inevitably they then produce the opposite the following week, the following game. So oh. on that basis, we're going to be amazing. Well, QPR is our last away game this season. Um, we're staying to the bitter end, apparently, no matter what happens. So, you know, I'm up for the entire 90-odd minutes on Wednesday night. I We'll know, we'll know within the first, I won't say five minutes because the first five minutes is always good. <laughs> we'll know within the first 10 to 12 yeah. minutes which Norwich has turned up. Did you say it's your la- your last away game? My last away game, yeah. Game. Then got the two home games. Swansea well, confirmed from... me. I think they'll beat us. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> brutal. No, uh, seriously. We're not good at home all season. It's not been good. You don't, you, you don't need to say it, Sarah. I've seen them. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, West Brom is on the telly now, isn't it? It's 5.30 kickoff as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, maybe I'm... I'll just watch that one on telly and fall asleep after the eighth minute. I've got I've got tickets for that one for some reason. <laughs> yes, I'm Steve. Going, so. You know what, Steve? What I have realised in the last hour or so, you are fully on the 73-point train. <laughs> he's still there. He's going to Wembley. We started doing the trains when Norwich could have got 96 points. 96-point <laughs> train we had. 73 we're on now and that's mm-hmm. winning the last four games and that's still below what it would usually take to make the playoffs mm-hmm. yeah but it might it not shows, be this year it might not know, be any, this year anyone with a consistent team could have made it out of the league this year yep yeah, I, I, I will re- reiterate the championship is not great nope so i nope. think uh, good luck to whoever does go up mm-hmm. um Right. Well, we've we've gone on a prolonged amount of time. We haven't even answered any questions. So thank you all for your questions and comments. Let's rattle through as many of them as possible now, Steve, shall we? What have we got? I will rattle through a couple of them, yeah. Uh, so uh, Sean Golding, just to go back to the, uh, the women's team, because that was when we were happiest, right? Uh, yeah. Can we petition that the men's team must play at the nest until they prove that they can win at home again? <laughs> Carrow Road belongs to the women's side now. I mean, sure. you were sorting out the you're sorting out the buses to the nest. So yeah, I would yeah. love just log- logistically. I think that would be hilarious if, if nothing else. Um, and Chris Lacey says the ladies game was the best game at Carrow Road all season. So uh, I think you would agree with that, right, Sarah? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The public have spoken. The public um, have spoken. Well, thank you for so many messages. Um, it's all brilliant. We we will have we've got another three podcasts and we've the season ends. We won't <laughs> you be going sound to... so enthusiastic about that. <laughs> we'll have loads of time to answer your questions. Uh, we won't be going five. through this, huh? You might have five podcasts. Well, in fairness, five. yeah, I, that's good the point. point. Six. I've just I've just ruled Norwich out of the playoffs. So mm-hmm. um, the point is, <laughs> we won't be going through the summer. <laughs> so um, uh, once we're we're there, we're there. Uh, we will have the time to answer more of your questions. So just keep watching over the rest of the season. Um, I've not got any more holidays planned. I think I've had a real development this year from the start of the season, where I was getting told I should only be going on holiday during June. 
um to then just being on holiday all the time i've had a great year <laughs> so, um, we have noticed michael <laughs> yeah well you know uh maybe the team should have turned up and be better um <laughs> so it was my fault covid turned up three years ago when we were going to go on holiday anyway I, I was thinking about this i would have missed uh Southampton. no i think i was in Southampton, like arsenal away and um... games like that but obviously it all got delayed in project restart oh, and yeah. then yeah and then i got to watch watch norwich lose four nil at an empty emirates and tim cruel giving the ball away in his own box i mean that doesn't narrow it down (laughs) necessarily so the best Um, thing to have done would have been to have gone holiday on holiday both times if you could have done and just missed all of that and then all of what you missed this time yeah it could have been less locked in australia never to leave oh yeah um i hope tim cruel's okay yeah yeah saying his name He's got a dislocated finger or something. I oh, has he? Mm-hmm. Oh. Get well soon, Tim. Uh, right, I think we, we're done, aren't we? Um, so, yes, I've written it down, so I'm going to read it out. That is it for another On The Ball, the Norwich City podcast that is about to record another video apologising for the previous hour or so. Uh, if you're yet to do so, please make sure you subscribe via your podcast player of choice. The pod is available free for everyone on your usual player. And we stream the recording of the podcast live in video form on my social media channels each Monday evening. Have a search and I am sure you will find them. Uh, ratings and reviews, wherever prompted, are always hugely appreciated. And if you want to get in touch with any questions or topic proposals, send me a direct message on Twitter. The handle is at Michael J. Bailey. As for this evening, a huge thank you to our wonderful guests this evening. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us uh, after such a momentous weekend. That was perfectly timed. Um, Always a pleasure. See you on Wednesday. See you on Wednesday. This (laughs) might might be the last time this season, I guess. So, Yeah. Oh, no. Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe off special. Well, this is it. If I've got three pods to uh, fill in or whatever, you'll be back on a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it's been a pleasure, Sarah. Thank you so much. And we'll see you again soon. Enjoy Loftus Road. Yep. As if, as if you couldn't. <laughs> uh, Steve, a triumph as always. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, yes, I agree. A, a triumph. <laughs> Sorry, you've, we've both said that about our own podcast. I guess we'll have to let the audience decide whether yeah. it was or not. Oh, but between our part. <laughs> Yeah, we've we've done that bit that we do when we go off the air where we, we both yeah. go, God, that was a triumph, wasn't it, Michael? Yes, it was, Steve, yes. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the, as far as the feedback uh, goes. Um, never knowingly done a bad podcast. <laughs> I mean, that's not true. <laughs> unknowingly, we've definitely done a few. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's very true. Yeah, absolutely oblivious. Um, brilliant stuff. Uh, thanks all for watching and listening. We'll be back next Monday for another instalment of the On The Ball Norwich City podcast. Until then, never mind the danger.